Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Mana on the Rocks. It is I, Joe. Joining me, as always, you know him, you love him, you hate to see him in your finals table because he's literally always there, glued to the seat, Atlas. Hello, everybody. This week, uh, we're talking, we're talking proxies, we're talking budgets, uh, kind of, we kind of, we kind of skip all over the place in this episode, but we, we mostly stick to kind of our, our experiences with proxies, uh, our, our shop being a weird, unique example, because we historically haven't allowed proxies, but time, times are changing. Um, we kind of, we kind of get into the whole meat and potatoes of that whole conversation. Uh, but if you want to hear more, you should come on down. And get a drink with us welcome back everybody to uh another episode on man on the rocks yeah welcome back to man on the rocks uh sorry we took a it was we took a break last week um i mentally needed a break and you atlas needed you you were just spent was, right yeah i was sick all week last week actually okay yeah so yeah it was unscheduled unprompted but i yeah. know i know especially for if anyone's listening out there um, there are a couple of you who were asking about us and if yeah. we were get, like what was up with the show at the um Eternium Lotos event that I just played. Uh so thank you for inquiring. It's really great to hear that people are listening and um care about what we have to say. Um but yes, we're back and we're gonna be back on a regular schedule now. We just like life happens and we needed to take a week to recover. Yeah, yeah. Uh it was it was totally impromptu. Me and you just like didn't talk and I'm like I- in my head, as soon as I got home, because I, I get home from work and we record these usually, or, yeah, uh, home from work and we record these, and I was just like, I I just couldn't. <laughs> I was so drained. Yeah, uh, but if no, I could have gotten out of bed to message you, I probably would have, but I wasn't doing <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be straight with you, I probably wouldn't have responded. <laughs> so, I probably, see, I probably it, wouldn't have responded. It all works out. It all works yeah, out. No, I, I appreciate all of it. We, we got some messages from people uh, like wishing us well and I, that that's sweet i appreciate all of you a lot uh i'm glad that we make something that everybody enjoys um speaking of something that everybody enjoys this week's topic we're we're talking kind of proxies and budgets uh we we're, we had some discussion in the discord the other day um, yeah but oh but before that something oh, yeah, else something that. else for everyone everyone who's listening um for for uh, things for all of you to enjoy, we are working on, and I don't know when the, when this will happen exactly, but we are working on getting some extra goodies to start passing out at events and things like that. Um, stickers was the big one that blast about uh, quick easy, so we're looking for those, and then maybe some other stuff here in the future. Um, we got some, some we got some goodies that we're cooking. I'm in yeah. I'm in the stew. Atlas is also in the stew. We're working on a couple of projects to sort of like try and push us up to the next like the next level, as it were. We're working mm-hmm. on like maybe setting up a Patreon so we can start to produce um, merchandise a little bit more um, efficiently so that we don't have to pay for quite all of it out of pocket. Um, and then it'll also give us uh, an excuse to like buy a video camera, maybe record some gameplay videos and things like that for y'all. Uh, so yeah, stuff in the works. Um, we'll, we'll tell you as we get more updates, but it's exciting. Yeah, we're, we're, we're still ironing out a lot of the kinks, figuring out exactly the vision for it, but we got... Uh... Man on the Rocks, is, 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 we're going to start going big. We're going to start going big mode. Uh, yep. I, I'm excited for it. I, there, there's a bunch of stuff that I want to do and things that I we talked about, and I and we were both like, oh, yeah, this will be cool to do like eventually, and I feel like we're starting to approach that eventually. Absolutely. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm very excited for yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, excited to play events. Events yeah. with you all. Events with proxies, which, like we said, Ooh. is the topic for today. Yeah. Proxies and budgets, things along those lines. Yeah. So, um, I think me and you in at least most of the content space that I'm aware of are like, we're going to, our shop is unique in so far as like our weeklies and our majors are all non-proxy. Um, yeah, they have been in the past. Yeah. But good news for everybody. We're, um, is is that, is is it official that we're doing this? Is it official? I believe, I believe it is official. I believe uh, it has been confirmed, um, that, for the next major at uh, Gabby's Olympic Arts and Comics, which is our home shop mm-hmm. uh, for the, their OCCS, which is the Olympic Commander Challenger Series, they will be allowing 10 proxies per person, which, while not mm-hmm. full proxy, mm-hmm. is a step in the right direction. And um, and it is something that will hopefully encourage more players to come and join. Yeah. Um, I, I'm happy for it. I, I, I don't personally play many decks that require a lot of proxies. Like, I get to play duels that I don't own. Like, that's pretty cool. My life total will be at, like, 35 instead of like 28 going into my round in my turn into my turn three which is pretty cool um but yeah um 
But yeah, our, our shop, uh, this being kind of a, a landmark moment for us, like moving forward to allow proxies, I think is going to just, I think it's ultimately going to be beneficial. And I think I'm all right with the cap of 10 right now. Um, I think I obviously would like to see it be full proxy, but we'll we'll kind of get into that discussion because me and you have thoughts on that. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty. Generally pro speaking, proxy. I, I'm, I'm, I'll just get ahead of it. I'm pro proxy. Like, I, I don't care if events are full proxy or not. I, I straight up don't play proxies all you want. I just need to be able to identify the card from a glance and understand it. That's all I require from a proxy. But that's how it, proxies are the community's solution for wizards' greed. And straight up, that's just my stance on it. Like, they are a a fundamental, necessary thing that we as players need because reserve list cards are expensive. Um, and they don't give us those expensive cards, so how else are we supposed to play the game? Well, it's not even reserve list cards necessarily, right? A lot of these, no. a lot of these like key staples, like Mana Crypt, Vault, things like this, have been mm -hmm. reprinted in recent memory. Jeweled Lotus, especially, is a newer. Oh, yeah, that's a recent one. Printed way after the reserve list, but it's pretty expensive. And then mm. they see reprints, which tanks their prices a little bit, but they go back up, and then they go back up higher than they were when they were reprinted because uh, these extra reprints our new product which encourages additional people to play the game and it's um just one extra way to encourage buyers um mm -hmm. so proxying um part of the initial push for proxies in the format was like um this this idea of like a curated list of things that could be proxied which most if not all of which was on um they, they were on the reserve list like really expensive cards like uh, dual lands and Gaia's Cradle, things like Time Twister. Uh, obviously, all these cards that are going to be unattainably expensive. But even more than that, proxies are really important for to be allowed for other cards too. Which is why I really like the idea. Is even if proxies are going to be limited, just like ten proxies, whatever you need. Because some players, like people, come from different circumstances, right? So some mm -hmm. players might have had an uncle who was around in Magic when first started like getting played. And they're like, oh yeah, here's all my like. Here's all my old cards, and they got them. They have a set of dual lands, even though they're beat to hell on the sidewalk. Just sleeve because, playable. Yeah, but they're sleeve playable. Um, but they what they don't have is like a jeweled lotus or a mana crypt, and so that they, they really need those cards for the deck to be truly CDH. Because mm -hmm. I'm gonna be honest with you, if it comes down to a dual land or a shock land, um, like if you have to pick between one of those uh, to play a de uh, deciding if a deck is unplayable. Or if you have to decide between like Mana Crypt and Worn Power Stone, like like you can pick one to proxy. You can either sub the dual land with a shock land, or you can play Worn Power Stone in place of um, in place of Mana Crypt while using the dual land. You just you take Mana Crypt. Dude. The cards the cards better, and that's a really extreme example. But mm -hmm. Mana Crypt's like three hundred dollars, just about. Is it is it up to three hundred dollars? I thought it was still like hovering on like one sixty. Like, I, I, I believe it has i believe it has gone up i could be mistaken i thought i looked at something the other day saw it saw it like 260 so um cardkingdom.com there we go we're looking it up we're finding out just how delusional i am which is pretty delusional mm, but, you, you can get a copy for like under 200 you can get a copy for under 200 either way it's still ridiculous insane amount for a magic yeah. card a card um, that's actually been printed so many times too it's 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 a decent amount of times like it has like one uh hold on, one two three like three actual like set reprints uh it's got the original old board it's got two fancy versions and or three fancy versions if you count the judge promo yeah um, so it's been printed a decent amount of times it's been printed a decent number of times and that's a lot of different places and like ways to get a hold of it um but it's so it's so important and popular. Like Mana Crypt literally goes, and I would say every single deck. There's probably some weird deck out there that doesn't want to play it for whatever reason. But aside from that that one fringe strategy, Mana Crypt goes into every single deck. Yeah, right? it's it, like Trade just does. Yeah, it's like Gemstone Cat. It's like you're just gonna play it because you you can. Mm -hmm. um, but Mana Crypt is is just still so so expensive. Yeah, and. And I think Mana Crypt specifically is a, is such a poster child for a lot of these things because, like you said, it, it does go into every deck. Like even even your like oof decks where you're shaving off every single rock except for literally the best ones. Like you start with Mana Crypt as like the first rock you put in that list because it casts your soul, it casts your oof on turn one, it casts your null rod on turn one. Like even the decks that hate artifacts, you still play Mana Crypt because it's it, it, it's just insane. Like it the the power level spike that you get from having a Mana Crypt in your deck is substantial and i didn't think it was going to be substantial 
until I was able to get my 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 copy of it. Yeah. Um, the variance is there for it, sure, but it, like their turn ones with mana crypts and without mana crypts, night and day difference. Absolutely, well, you, even you win and twos, lose on those. Even turn twos, right? Like yeah. people, you play Enlightened Tutor, you play Imperial Seal a lot of times to go grab mana crypt on turn one, so that on turn two you play a mana crypt. And this is personal experience, very immediately relevant from this past weekend. Yeah, let me tell you, if you Enlightened Tutor for a mana crypt and you cast it on turn two and it enters tap and you can't even use it till turn three, it's still such an absolute house of a card like you've just boosted your mana for you've boosted your mana pool by two on the turn that you're able to use it for realistically one mana and you've also thinned your deck so you're not having a a dead draw when you don't want to see mana if you want to see something that's more powerful mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's 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 just insane I, I the more and more magic continues the more and more i'm like the the current reprint policy just isn't enough just isn't uh, and I and like I can get into a whole diatribe about this, but like I think everyone agrees, like the magic cards should just be straight up more accessible. Plain and simple. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that. I do think that like it's there. It is trying to walk a fine line right now between like magic. Magic I think is suffering from an identity crisis. Right, they're mm. trying to decide whether or not they're a, a CCG, which is a collectible card game, or they're a sport. And right now, like, with the push for Arena to become the primary format and all these things, and, like, but also talking about, like, they were talking about, it might not have been Grand Prix, but WotC wanted to start sanctioning events somehow again. What was it? It was it was something with, uh, was it RCQs? Was it Regional I Championships? I think so. I think they like, wanted to, like, I, I, it's old news events. at this point. Yeah, they it's, wanted it's to bring old back, news. They wanted to bring back the Pro Tour circuit or something Something like along that. those lines, right? Yeah. And so, like... With all of that, like all of those things, those things push the the game towards being like more of a sport, right? Like something along the lines of chess with cardboard. Mm -hmm. um, uh, obviously, there will be differences, but that's the best comparisons. Like because by all reasonable human standards, chess and similar games like Go or like even backgammon, those things are considered sports. Poker is a great example when we're talking about CD. I think that's probably the, the closest, closest one for one. Yeah, but po poker literally gets aired on ESPN and magic has been aired on ESPN in the past magic tournaments have. So it's, it's really like those things push magic and magic players towards the direction of we are a sport. We want to like, we want to see people playing competitively. We want to see what they can do with the game. And so we're going to focus on like printing these cards and, and making them accessible and new cards to tweak the game in new ways, and, like sort of curate formats and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. But then, but then, like, on the other end, they still want to be a CCG with, like, different treatments, and, like, you can collect this version and that version, and, like, here, collect the whole set, and this card is rarer than that card, and here's the, like, players too, right? Like, oh, my original printing is cooler than, like, this newer version, and, like, this set symbol is cooler than I, that. I'm the a old stickler border. for that myself. Yeah, right? Like, we all have preferences about those things, but those all lean into the collectible element of the card game, and by trying to be collectible inherently pushes the game more towards that dynamic of it wants to be rare, it wants to have scarcity within its product in order to drive um drive consumers and players to collect because there's some intrinsic reward of like oh i have sought after this card and i've saved up for this card and i've obtained it um but then also just like the the prestige thing within the community right you're like look like i my collection is more valuable than yours because mm. it is and therefore it is more impressive than yours because collectible things just inherently gain their import from the fact they are worth more due to them being more scarce so it's just a weird it's a weird spot that the the watsi the creators just have to settle on whether or not they want it to be a, a sport or they want it to be a ccg or they want to continue like stumbling through this middle ground where no one's really happy with them and but like, also, most of your base isn't angry with you either. So, I, are you so just out of curiosity? Because I think the I think other card games have solved that issue. Are you familiar with how like Pokemon does its card distribution at all? 
I I can't say that I am. I don't really follow Pokemon or so anything like that. The the way Pokemon handles it, and I I personally think this is the gold standard for any any sort of card game that wants any sort of competitive footing, is there's always two prints. There's a cheap print, and then there's the crazy fancy expensive uh, expensive. Oh print. oh, and Magic, I, and Magic like has been versions. getting better. Yeah, there are chase versions, and then there are basic versions, and Magic has gotten significantly better at providing those options. I still think that there is a long way to go. I think there's a lot of staples that need to just be printed into the ground. You can maintain the high prints. So it's it's the same reason as like if you were to put dual lands in a in the next course in Wild Devel Drain, um the your betas are still gonna hold their value. They're gonna drop maybe they're they're gonna change in price for sure, probably. But they're still gonna hold like 95% of the value most likely because that specific print is going to hold a lot of history, a lot of value, a lot of this, that, and the other. Um, and a lot of card games have mostly followed that market of having the chase print, the super fancy cool prints with all of like the... Yeah, like the like, rainbow rares and things. Rainbow right? rares yeah. and full arts and texture foils and like these crazy cool cards that are sick to open up and like high value... Tra- like, and that's fantastic. I think that is a wonderful place for a card game to be because you you create incentive and want for people that want to open packs because you want to chase those cards. Collectors are happy because there's high value things that they can like do their investing thing or whatever. And your grinders and your players are happy because all of these cards that you want to play with that you want to own are going to be readily available and affordable because all of those packs are being cracked. The high value cards are being sold. You know, this $50 card has a $2 variant like i if i want to play the game i'm just going to get this card because i want to play the game i don't care about I'll, I'll, I'll worry about the fancy version later on if i like the deck but for right now i just need these cards so give me the cards please um yeah, I, think- I think that's a fantastic way to go i think but i think i think you hit the nail on the head with like magic is caught in the middle uh of it doesn't know what it wants to do and it keeps printing staples that are expensive and not hammering the staples that are that need to be printed more and it is frustrating because there are solutions out there that have worked in the past and just aren't i i you raised yeah so that that distribution system does seem like it works really well um i thinking back i now know what you meant by distribution yes i'm, I'm aware of like the rainbow like mm-hmm. rainbow cards and all this stuff for pokemon like the like ghost holos or whatever yeah, for yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh, things like that right these things have insane values i think the major difference with the magic from my very uneducated uninformed perspective is that um, Magic is substantially larger as a card game than any, basically any other TCG out mm-hmm. there. That's and correct. So it's it's worldwide. There are dozens and dozens of heavily played formats. Okay, maybe not that many, but they're like they're like six really heavily played formats, which is twice very, as many very as distinct, anything very else, at least. Yeah. Um, and so. So there are all of these different ways to play the game. You need different numbers of, like, copies of cards, different numbers mm-hmm. of copies of cards for uh, each of these formats. Like, sometimes you need a one-of for things like Commander. Sometimes you need a four-of for something like Modern or Pioneer. And so there, there's all of those. Plus there's sealed product with draft and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the that difference of how large the game is... I, I could be totally wrong, but it doesn't seem... Just at a glance, to me, it doesn't seem as though the same practices would, would scale particularly well, and I think that's why Magic has introduced like these these like gradients a lot. And I don't play Pokemon, but it seems like there are a lot more gradients of rarities of cards in different printers, right? So like mm-hmm. you have like you have the base print of well, Mana Crypt is our default example for this episode. It seems so you have this base print of Mana Crypt in Double Masters, right, which runs you at a a hefty sum of like $120 on release. Um, but also then there's a full art version of this card um, where the art changes and it, it has no border and that's more expensive. But then also there's a full art and foil version of this card. Um, there's also a regular foil version. So it's like it's like base version, base foil, full art, full art foil. So there's like four different gradients of the rarity and each one of these is going to have different or at least has the potential to have different price markups and so i think that's sort of they're trying to do it like they're trying to flood a market um a secondary market of players with all these copies of cards while also like not oversaturating the market because at that point if you're going to oversaturate the market into that degree um why not just let everyone print their own cards and just get whatever they want uh which is 
kind of why it seems like Wizards pushes Arena more and more. It's like because if you play Arena, like granted, you're restricted in the fact that you have to do what the AI, do things the way the AI wants, and you have to like play only the formats that are allowed at that specific time. So it's like it's not super all encompassing. There aren't cards from every set out there. You obviously can't play Commander because the pool isn't doesn't encompass enough. But if you play Arena they have these wild cards that you can make into whatever card you want. You just have to, like, obtain the wild card, which is yeah. done by yeah. achieving an in-game achievement or paying money. And so uh, if you do it like that, then you don't have to worry about print print run issues because everyone gets the cards they want when they want them as long as they have the resources, whether that's in-game currency or real-life currency that they're converting into, um, into an online resource, right? So that's... I think it's... I think, at least from my perspective, it's just like a scaling issue with how popular Magic is comparatively to these other things. That like Pokemon, especially, like yeah, there's a pro scene. Yeah, they they like play competitively or whatever. It's not. But it's, it's not. not it's big. realistically, it's yeah. just a collectible game. Yeah. Which means that, which is why those chase cards have astronomical values compared to like chase versions of stuff in Magic is because everyone is playing Magic for like. 99% of the population, they're playing it to play. They're, they're uh, players, they're gamers. Um, whereas with Pokemon, they're, they're all... They're gamers? They're gamers? Uh, gamers. 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 Uh. Um, but they... They're playing... The Pokemon people are buying these cards to collect. They want to catch hmm. them all or whatever. And so if you have the chase version, like, everyone wants the chase version. No one cares about these $2 prints. Like, unless you are just playing. Of which mm -hmm. there are not that many players. No, and I, I think... I think ultimately that's that's the truth of it. it is like it is a scaling issue. I don't I'm cynical and I think the scaling issue is so far that like magic is far and away like it is the biggest trading card game in the world. It's not even close. I I it's not. <laughs> uh Yukio my understanding is it What about goes, one piece? Ma what about uh, one piece? The one piece is real. Lorcana baby, flesh and blood. No, I think there I think I think I think there's still a lot. I I I think all the up-and-coming games are really, really interesting. I need to dive into them more because I like card games. Um, but yeah, Magic is far and away the biggest card game, followed, I think, by Yu-Gi-Oh! and then Pokemon, but Yu-Gi-Oh! is weird because it's it's a different game based on the re I don't need to get into it. Um, but yeah, no. But the, the distance between place one and place two is so drastic because Magic has been around for so long and it has been so loved and there's been so much put into the game. There's so many different ways you can play it, like you mentioned, like... You can you don't need you can play the game without needing anything. You can go to a draft. You can go to a pre-release. You can crack packs and like play popper or whatever. You can play standard. What's no one knows what standard is. Not um, anymore. Not anymore, baby. That's that's a whole depressing topic. Um, yeah, no, like you have so many different ways to play it that the game is built in such a way that it's so easy to pull someone in. It's so easy to get someone invested. It's so easy to have your interest pulled into different ways in case like. A format, uh, in particular, is in a crappy place right now. Oh, Modern's in shambles. I'm going to go play Standard. Shan Standard's a piece of doo-doo. I'm going to play Popper or Draft or whatever. Like, you can still be playing the game, but not be playing these particular things, which a lot of other card games, like, if they don't have the formats or, like, the diversity in the formats, like, it's... Your play base, player base is kind of held hostage to what's going on. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! in particular is terrible at this. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I... I think the gradient issue for magic, I think it's actually fine. I think, I think normal foil uh, normal or like regular base prints foil, and then like a higher rarity version, both in foil and non-foil. I think that's fine enough. I, I think there's enough of a spectrum there that you can, you can do what you need to do. Um, it, I think it accomplishes it enough. I, the issue has always been like supply. Like why isn't double masters a print on demand? Like stuff like that. I, I, I as soon as I heard about Modern Masters, like, way back in the day, uh, like, the first or and second print, I'm like, oh, this is sweet. And I asked my card shop, like, so, like, these packs are just going to be around forever? And they're like, well, we have one run. We're going to get, like, eight boxes, and that's the only amount we're going to get. And my brain went, that's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. That doesn't, that, it, it doesn't solve anything. It, it doesn't, that's actually, no, I take that back. It, it does, it does solve certain things, but it doesn't ever address the core issue which is staples are expensive dude they there's, just are well and there's and why are they expensive it's because of scarcity right so it's there's it's not enough copies yeah. for the number of players mm -hmm. who want copies of that mm -hmm. and so it, so it really yeah it's a supply and demand thing right mm -hmm. so it it's weird because 
like if you oversupply your product, if you make it so your modern masters one, two, three sets are just constantly on shelves, they're going to depreciate not only the cards values within them which is what everyone wants but also the packs values themselves because mm -hmm. there will be so many copies of the cards that everyone wants floating around there's no longer a need to buy that pack and the worst possible outcome from a business perspective is that you would spend all of these these resources to print all of these booster packs St uh, stores would buy the booster packs and then not selling after however long they would just have all these extra boxes sitting on shelves that players don't want to purchase because they can get their cop their copy of exactly the card they want for whatever they deem to be the market value of that card so um we can i can get you go on to a whole economics tangent here for you but i'll spare our listeners the the uh, longevity of that it's basically boils down to the amount that I'm willing to spend on a card is its perceived value. So if I think that Mana Crypt is an $80 card, I'm willing to spend $80 on it. A Modern Masters booster pack is worth $20, but there's no certainty that I'm going to get it. Um, so I buy one booster pack and maybe I win. I buy two booster packs and maybe I win. Um, I buy three booster packs and I still haven't won yet, but if I, I might win on my fourth. That's like 100 bucks right there. I could just spend $80 to guarantee my card. So mm -hmm. I would rather pay the perceived value of the card rather than risk not having it, especially when I see that the variance on pulling these is much, much higher, right? And so um, that is that is what happens when cards get printed a lot. But the really bad thing from a business perspective is that, yeah, they've made their profit on all of these boosters that they've sold to stores, but now stores have all this extra product sitting on their shelves, sitting in their overstock and all of this stuff. They're not going to buy more cases from wizards because they aren't sure that they're going to have like the product sold they're not going to be able to sell the product once they receive it they're going to afraid they're going to end up with a bunch more excess inventory and so even if they do decide to buy some of the like some small limited quantity from wizards they're going to pull like a very small portion of wizards print quantity and put it on their shelves and when that sells out instantly um because it's popular and people want more of the packs they're going to go back to wizards and buy a little bit more and then they're going to do the same thing they'll buy a little bit more yeah, 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 but this yeah. is really negative for supply chain like timing so consumers get unhappy because they have to wait and we all know that we are patient greedy magic players want our i want my card kingdom order now right now i'm paying i'm gonna pay the 10 percent premium for card kingdom because i live down the street from it Mm -hmm. And I want it today. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to wait for that TCG player shipping, even if I'm going to save 20 bucks. Like, I'm just paying the premium. I'll pick it up on my way home from work. Um, but then the reason, then it gets back to now Watsy's still stuck holding the bag on all these extra things they've printed and all of these resources they've sunk. And now they can't recoup that cost because they're never, they're going to hit a threshold. Uh, and now these packs aren't selling as well, so we have still a little bit in our inventory, and we're just not going to buy anymore. And now Watsy's stuck with the overstock, and they have no way to get rid of it or uh, recuperate their profits. Mm -hmm. or, sorry, their investments to make a profit. And so that is why we're stuck where we are right now. Yeah, and but I also think like I I'll continue to use Pokemon as an example because I think it's a fantastic model. But like if you have like that overabundance of products and you want to create drive for people to keep buying packs like those those crazy chase cards exist like the amount of people that will just like buy a pack like i think lord of the rings is an interesting test case um because of like the serialized cards and like the hype that the one ring was create that the that the one ring created uh that magic can go and point to yeah we have a one of one two million dollar card suck at pokemon like i that's my headcanon. That's that's the exact that's the that's the whole reason the Lord of the Rings set exists was that's the dialogue. Was, was that was that they are in the 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 evil council room having their evil board meeting with their evil coffee and their evil spreadsheets going how do we how how do we capitalism even harder? Like this is the cynic in me talking nonsense. But like that's I can't imagine the conversation was anything different from that because 2020 was such a interesting year for card games and it still to this day fascinates me because of how pokemon 
it just processed through that entire like they made out like bandits like it is insane the amount of impact the pokemon has had on all t- trading card games like it is the standard for a lot of things it has been tried and true it is popular it is talked about specifically because it's really good for opening packs in a number of different ways and i think players benefit from it and collectors benefit from it and i think wizards got a little salty from that or like hasbro execs i don't think i don't think it was wizards probably hasbro execs more than likely um, and they go, well, how do we how do we try and pull some of that back? How do we get that attention back? And I think the answer is just put chase cards into into packs and let everybody else get their cheap cards. Um, I think I think that's a good point. I I get stuck with this with my cynic, where it's like my counter to that is yeah, but people are just intrinsically greedy, and so the consumers true, are going to see true. like, oh, there's a chase version of that card. Well, I just really want the chase version of that card. Mm-hmm. Like, why is this so expensive? Like, I just want that version. It's the yeah. most expensive version. I want it. Why is it not printed? And so I think that's an issue that we run into, too, on the consumer True. side. True. Uh, I, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of the human condition, right? Mm-hmm. But I... So I think it's a really... There's a lot of complexity to the issue, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, I, we're not going to solve it. I don't think yeah. anyone's capable of solving yeah. it. Like, I, yeah, I agree. The There's definitely more that could be done from, like, the distributor side from from wizards from hasbro um there's also a lot that could be done from the consumer side in terms of just like regulating um regulating the amount of money spent on singles versus sealed products because i think at least from our perspective as entrenched magic players and i think a lot of i think there's a fair amount of this is that players will uh players who are entrenched in the game and like play competitively play it more as a sport we just want the cards that are good and mm-hmm. especially if and if we take pride in the fact that we think this card is good and we like want it and we want to like flex a little bit we want the blingy version so we're just gonna buy that version instead of like trying to chase it through boosters mm-hmm. right um or like we have pack we have we have credit winnings stored up because we're god gamers and like the shop got the fancy version here are my winnings i want the fancy version you know yeah whereas if you want to be a responsible consumer like you should be moderating your spending on singles versus like you should also be purchasing packs because it goes to the whole vote with your wallet thing, right mm-hmm. um which is an entirely different discussion um that i have mixed feelings on as well but like if you want to see things get reprinted a lot like you should be buying fewer singles you should be buying more packs but then if you do that and that gets into a slippery slope though well i was gonna say if you do that it just like that also tanks the entire uh economics theory right like Mm -hmm. why why am i paying a hundred dollars to try and maybe find this card that i value at 80 there's sure i may hit something else that makes me break even or whatever but i don't want that card <laughs> so mm-hmm. then i have to go through extra work to go trade it or sell it to a shop or whatever which then if you count that effort i'm spending additional time and money so i'm actually still losing mm-hmm. right so like there's a whole financial perspective that that players can consider that isn't really what we are here to talk about today but it is like yeah it's just it's, it's really complex it's 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 a, it's a piece of the pie it's a piece of the puzzle for certain i don't know, I, I keep i keep coming back to okay well then how much how much responsibility should we have and how much should we participate i think is where i keep going to at the end of the day because i think i think there exists like a decent middle middle ground where like I want to open a pack. Uh, let's paint an ideal scenario. I want to be able to open a pack and feel like I have a reasonable chance of pulling something worthwhile, be it like uh, like a, a chase card or a staple or something. I want this card to have value. I want this card to ideally go up in price over time. Um, but I also want to be able to like have this game be affordable and accessible to everybody. Um, where like, yeah, there are budget options, but also if you want to play something that's, you know, high tier and tier one, that, that should not cost an arm and a leg. And I think that there can exist this like sort of middle ground. And the, and this is where like proxies get a little bit murky to me to kind of tie everything back is like, I, I don't know how I feel about someone who doesn't, I guess, economically participate in the game in some form of fashion. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. Everyone comes from different backgrounds. It's just, it, CDH is the only card game 
competitively that you can print out the cards. And that's that, and that's just that's just different. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just different. And I, and I, I still to this day don't know how I fully feel about it. Apart from it, just well, this is this is it's it is just different. Yeah, I'll yeah, I'll take that one. I'll I'll out myself. Back when uh, proxies first started to actually catch on for competitive, because back in the day they really weren't a thing. Like mm-hmm. it didn't matter where you were. Proxying was like something you could do with your friends at the kitchen table. You could play yeah. the cards, sure. But there is no such thing as a proxy-friendly event for basically any format. Some people tried it with Vintage a little bit. Um, they tried, like, limited proxy Vintage and stuff and in unsanctioned events, and it still wasn't very popular. Cut forward in time. Proxies are catching it's on. The, and, it's the standard. Yeah. Your event needs to be full proxy. Well, I wasn't even going to go that far. I was going to do a time skip here. I was going to say, like, mm, okay, cut, okay, cutting okay, forward sorry, in yeah, time yeah. is, like, proxies are starting to catch on, and um, the... I, as an entrenched player, because nowhere allows proxies, um, at the time that I started playing uh, Magic um, and Commander and even CDH towards, like, because I was I was here at the beginning, guys. I was here when, like, building competitive decks, trying to do the fastest, meanest thing first started. Um, there, I, I remember, oh, what's her name? Damia. I remember Damia when that deck dominated. Classic. Yeah. Uh- a fine um, wine that one <laughs> not really it, not that, really that but... tank that was like yeah. that was a dollar brewski that just but but i the point is that like the the proxy thing as an entrenched player i at first was anti-proxy i felt slighted and i was like why are these people who have no involvement to in the game like financially they're not risking anything they're coming to these events that are like local game night events or whatever and they're playing at a shop that i'm playing at and they're playing these fake cards that it cost them two dollars and fifty cents to print out and if they win a match they walk away with like booster packs from this friday night magic event or whatever um or they aren't sanctioned so it wasn't that but that was the idea is like you win booster packs or you win store credit or something it's like why are these people like just because by virtue of them being late to the party why are they benefiting mm-hmm. so i sat with that for a little while salty about it um but then like moving forwards in time again my evolution as a player um i get to a point where i'm even beyond like prizing and stuff is great but even beyond that like at that point i'm entrenched in the format i have i own basically like everything under two grand um in the format like at least one copy of it in an actual printing like it's legal to play in a watsi event right um but even so, I don't care about proxies anymore, really, because I have reached a point in my career um, where it's all about like the quality of the game. And if mm-hmm. the players are playing with access to every card in the format, they're playing with higher quality cards, on average, at least, and that in is theory. going to contribute. Yeah, in theory, um, some of some weirdos out there, even with access to an entire card pool um play like shit to your cards like stunt double and cloud shift i don't know why Blood pet. but yeah but they do so uh the <laughs> the point with that is that like these contribute to higher quality games which are more enjoyable for everyone because all mm-hmm. the players get to do something um and they result in less bad feelings higher quality games result in less bad feelings as players walk away from the table related to that game specifically mm-hmm. Now, maybe maybe it's just me that's gone through this arc. Maybe it's an arc that everyone goes through as they like sort of like I've bought into this game. Oh, proxies are a thing. Is like like a valley, and then like you start to climb back out of them. And be like, oh yeah, but also the games are just better if players like don't have don't have the disposable income to spend on these cards because not everyone's fortunate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and at that point, it's like maybe it's just a journey that everyone's going to go through. Is be like, oh well, proxies. Uh, buy the cards. Oh, proxies are a thing. Proxies suck. Oh, proxies are okay. Oh, proxies are really great. Because um, I know a lot of, I know a lot of players who don't have access to the cards. They don't have the disposable income uh, because they got real life stuff going on. Um, who are really good players, um, mm-hmm. and but they wouldn't be able to play the game uh, without taking a significant break from their life and life expenses. Um, Which is just unrealistic, and you yeah, should not do. Exactly. Uh, that said, there are also a fair number of players who are like, oh, I can proxy everything. 
And I'm, I honestly, I think this is probably, at least from my experience, I think this is on the higher percentage of this spectrum is players who say, oh, I can proxy everything. Great. I don't have to invest anything. And there's a shot that I can win X, Y, Z. Um, like, oh, I can win a dual land at this tournament for a $25 entry fee plus the $4 it will cost me to print out these cards at the at the Kinko's. Um, okay, well, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to go there. And I'm going to win. These players print out the decks and they don't have the the depth of knowledge for the format. They don't have the depth of knowledge for that even that deck specifically. They don't know how to play the game in general. They come in and they get thwomped and then they leave either upset or maybe they have a great time, but they get thwomped because they don't know what they're doing. And I think that there are a lot of players, um, probably more than 51%, um, who just come into a format uh, that fully allows proxies and they just go, oh, okay, well, I'm going to do all this, like full proxy, um, try and make a return on my investment, um, and get just molly right? But uh, but then as those players, if they like the format, they have a good experience because of these playtest cards, these proxies, they start to get entrenched and they gain that depth of format. And it has also been my experience that that depth of format and that um, that idea of, oh, hey, I enjoy the game, is like that also factors into like the social prestige thing, right? Like it's mm -hmm. also a collectible game. So if you like, you're like, yeah, I've been, I've, maybe I won an event with an all proxy deck, but like also, also like, now I, I want to own my deck because it'll feel better. It's like yeah. more of a procedure. It's like, oh, so I'm going to start collecting cards. And like, maybe you do proxy the dual lands forever. And that doesn't detract anything from like, from how valid a win is or anything like that. At this but, point, I'm of the opinion you should just proxy your duels. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, they're so expensive. There's no reason for anybody no to, reason own, to own those cards. Like, I, I, I even own the revised versions. Yeah. There's yeah, no like, reason for anyone to own I, those. I, I have one duel. I realistically want to own, like, the Jun duels because that's my colors for life for real for real but like i i i'm not gonna buy an underground sea i'm not gonna buy a volcanic are you kidding me no way that's a, that's a joke yeah but i mean like i mean like so even that right like like why do you want to own the jun duels it, it mean it mean it means something to me like that, that is something that i as a as a as my own entrenched magic player these are the colors that i have always identified with their play styles that i have liked modern jun is still far and away one of my favorite co uh, collections of cardboard i have ever played with like that is that is just me and that is like the to me that is the ultimate expression of like these are the cards that help represent me the most like in this like weird shrine thing um like these these are like the creme de la creme of like yes this is what i identify with and that's yeah. me and that's my own that's my own perceived value of those things yeah but, but, but bottom line it's because it makes you feel good to yeah. own them as opposed yeah, to proxying it's, them, right it's like, something it just that feels better yeah it's some, it, i i was thinking about this earlier um alice have you ever played like an mmo at all I am not a big online gamer, but I've okay. played I played like one or two. Okay, so there's there's this. I don't think there's a term for it. If there is, I'm stupid. Um, but there's this idea where you're bringing someone into like this really like deep, complex game, and you go, okay, cool. Here's everything at the start. Now, the person who sticks with that game likely would have built up to that stuff anyway, and they were going to have a much better time on the journey, whereas uh, other people will play for a night and then never log in again, because what's the point? And I feel like there, you can, I, I can see something similar happening with CDH, but also I, I don't know of a better way to do it, because I, I, I think of the people who go to like an all proxy event because like their friends are, are like the kitchen table is like, Hey, there's this cool tournament going on. It's full proxies. We can like play something cool. And like, like you said, like someone gets hooked on it. They start learning everything. They start wanting to actually own the cards. Cause that's going to mean a lot to them. You know, they're, they're in a Gila list or their Yuriko list or whatever that they proxy. Like, like the feeling of getting that last, that last proxy out and that, 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 preferred print that whatever it like that that is a very tangible feeling i think that's why a lot of us like card games to some degree like that 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 aspect of collectability that aspect of uh the, the self-identifying part you know and i i think of you know like the me dumping you know like 10 million gold in your lap on your day one have fun like here, here's the cheat codes to the kingdom people are just gonna get bored with it and, and leave and i think that's fine but also i think i don't think that it's incorrect 
because I I like that ease of on ramp of like the the cost the monetary cost to play CDH is low. However, the time, effort, and in, and like emotional intelligence uh, investment that's high, and I think I'm fine with that exchange. Yeah, I think I'm fine with that exchange. Yeah, I think it's a that's a really good way to put it. I don't know. I'm one of those weirdos who's like, just give me the 10 million gold and I'll figure out what to do with it. But um... also, I think if you were told to make that 10 million gold and it was in, a, a, I'll, I'll stick with the MMO example. If it was in an MMO that you like, there was something that kept you going. I don't think that would have changed anything for you in particular. I mean, probably not. But also, like, I prefer to just start with the 10 million gold. Right. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I see your point. I see your point. No, I do. But like, yeah. Okay. Continue. Yeah. I was just, I mean, aside from uh, silliness aside, um, I do think that it brings up the, the discussion of proxies brings up an interesting um, point. I have heard from many, not many, several uh, pro proxy advocates before. And this goes back to something I said earlier, the whole vote with your wallet argument, right? Yeah. So something we, something we've, something we've mm-hmm talked about before and i've encountered when discussing with things with other people outside of us is that um playing at shops and our shops has not allowed proxies before for events playing at shops who do not allow proxies for their cdh events encourages those shops to uh continue to not allow proxies which is um makes the game less accessible and that's not great, and so we should vote with our wallet by not going to that event and not supporting that store. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that it's a really interesting argument um, because you're not wrong in the fact that if you don't go somewhere um, and spend money there, you are not supporting that idea, and there is, by not supporting something, uh, there is a chance, expressing your displeasure, there's a chance that you could get a change, right? Um, I think that's a little bit different when it comes to something like CEDH, especially when you're talking about like a tournament situation where the people who are going to be playing at this shop, um, no matter what, we're going to actually be the patrons of XYZ shop um, because that's their store and they live there and they go there. Um, they're going to yeah. spend money. They're going to go to the thing. They're accustomed to the rules. They're accustomed to the regulations. They're going to go to the go to the event. They're going to play the event. They're going to spend their money there anyways. Um, the people who are going to vote with their wallets are people who are not going anyways, um, like, like on a day-to-day basis, a week-to-week basis. And so, like, realistically, your vote doesn't matter because it doesn't exist because you're not detracting anything. Um, and so a better solution, I believe, would be to, um, if possible, find a way to compete in these events to the highest degree you're able which like sort of leans to more like try and find budget substitutes which is doable for some things but hard or not impossible for other things um it just kind of depends on what you're playing but like do your best or like go with a friend get somebody to lend you some cards go compete in this event or even just send a message to a store um like call them and ask politely be respectful always um talk about have talk about proxies talk about how it makes things more accessible and have that discussion with them and express that like man it stinks that i won't be able to compete or like go to this event because i don't have the resources to play it as such um but like maybe in the future uh maybe in the future if you do decide to allow proxies like i would love to go and and play at your event and then Mm -hmm. you would incur my business um because i would be able to go there to this location so I think that um, I'm, I, I'm a dynamic person. Sometimes I like to work outside. I think that the best way to do something is by working outside the system. I think in this case specifically, I think that the best way to uh, sort of like push for um, proxies in an environment where proxies aren't allowed is to work within the system and sort of like do your best to do that. I know that that's how we've gotten to. That's, that's how we've arrived um, at where we that's are. That's how we've been going on it. And like, honestly, a big part about it is if you talk to your fellow players, especially like the whales, the players who do own everything, and convince them, show them through experience that the games that where players who don't have access to, to cards uh, because of monetary reasons um, are going to be lower quality than the ones where players can proxy and like play games with them, show them the difference, and 
eventually, like, if you can get one or two of those guys on your side, then they can also have that conversation. And, Mm -hmm. like, it's the whole ally thing, right? It's like, those are the people who, like, already fit whatever the, like, the demographic of, like, those who are accepted. Yeah, 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 exactly. Those who are, like, accepted by the stores already. um, They're on your side. They're like, hey, I own everything. But I also think it'd be really cool if we allowed proxies um, because that would mean that this person could play. And they're a really good player, but for any number of possible reasons, they don't own cards and they can't buy cards. But I'd really love to play with them in an event and see just how good they can do. So I think that, yeah, I think that working within the system is a much better way to get this specific thing accomplished. Even though it will take longer, I think in general, the results will be higher uh, quality and they will have more of an impact uh, transformationally on a store and a community within that store. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I think even for those situations where like, for example, like I mean, you have definitely floated the idea that like our, our shop is tough because we don't allow proxies. I'm not saying that as like a binary thing, but more so like a lot of us have to get creative with like the strategies we want to make use of and how to like combat like a lot of the format because our our average like your average pod at one of our weeklies is going to be a very you're gonna you're gonna taste a whole you're gonna taste the whole spectrum of uh, of uh commander like you're gonna have someone sit down with a with a with an off-the-shelf uh precon you're gonna have someone that's uh built an upgrade you're gonna have someone that's playing like high power cdh like you're gonna you're gonna taste all of that um i think you can exist in inside of a proxy list scenario you just have to find strategies that work with what you have. Also, like you mentioned, the social prestige thing, like as you go to these shops, you're going to start meeting people. You're going to start talking to people. Ideally, if you like the shop enough, you're going to start talking to people. Um, you'll, you'll you'll figure out who to talk to. You'll ask like, hey, is it all right to borrow this? Are you using this? Like it, we're, we're, I, I continue to be impressed with how like fast we all jump on. You need this card? I have this card. I'm not using this card. Here, please use this card. Like we all are so on board with trying to, pull in as many people as possible um that like you can like work around these things and eventually work your way up to hopefully having the shop work your way into being uh allowing some number of proxies you know uh and i just think that's 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 also a big part of the card game is the social aspect like you can you will find people that have you will find those whales that have every single card they're not playing every single card in 99 or 98 cards they might even have duplicates you know yeah yeah absolutely Alright, well, I did want to, I did want to touch on, like, budget a bit more. Um, I, I don't, I don't know, I, I, budget can exist in CDH, in my opinion. I, I, I think there's enough, you have enough wiggle room to figure out, to, like, a ways to make most colors work. And I, I think you shut certain strategies off when you have to play without proxies, and you don't have access to a lot of cards. I think, like, Breach and Nas are, like, the main examples of that, because you need... You need the life total for Nas, so you need to be able to play duels. Shocks are going to hurt too much, and if you're on Breach, I've never personally done Breach decks with LED because I'm a pleb, but like I've heard like the difference between having LED and not having LED for Breach is a pretty night and day difference. I think, yeah, I think if we're talking about budget substitutions, because um, mm-hmm. this is how I got my start back in the day, uh, once again, back in the day, uh, I when I started playing CDH, um, I was a poor, like, middle school elementary school i don't know something like that er and didn't have really any money to spend on um, the card game that i liked and proxies weren't a thing at that point so um so i had to find like you say creative ways to compete with budgetless players who are at the lgs um my first real competitive deck was narset and light master and I, i'm gonna be honest with you i was playing basalt monolith and some talismans and some signets and I think probably one of the, outside of, like, the turn spells, which I scrimped and saved for, probably the most expensive card in my whole deck was Talisman of Progress, because that card was, like, $15. Oh, um, god, ah, uh, yeah, I remember those days, what the hell? And I I went to the first competitive tournament uh, at my LGS, uh, really excited, um, and I sat down at my first table, because um, it was just it was just two rounds. Um, it, was the, it was just two rounds. It was competitive EDH night, two rounds. Um, sort of like how we do it now uh, at our local shop. And uh, it was, all right, you're going to play a pod. Winner's going to get paired up to a winner's pod. 
all the other three players are going to get paired down to a couple losers pods. Um, and then the winners from the other pods are going to get paired up as well. You're going to play a second game. And the winner of that wins the whole tournament, wins a bunch of store bread. It's like, wow, this is really cool. Sit down, first game. Um, and I, I, I'll say, I got really lucky in my first game. My opponents, like, bricked on lands and stuff. And then somebody played a card that I read a line of text that they did not read. And it uh, it fixed my colors for me. I was able to cast Narset with a haste enable and swing and win the game. Because this was before Janeth Magistrate ruined her life. Um, <laughs> but then, uh, then I played round two. And um, this, I'm sitting down with, like, the first round was, like, People, a couple people like me, like somebody who had like a really expensive deck, like they were playing Mana Crane, City of Traders. So I was like, oh my gosh, those cards are really cool. How do I get one of those? And the guy's like, that's like $300. I was like, oh, I'm never going to have one of those. Um, <laughs> yes, cut, cut to now that I do. Um, <laughs> but the go to, go into the second pod there, and I sit down, and I think like one of the first cards played uh, at the table was like a Mana Crypt or something, followed by like Dual Lands and like force of wills and before oh, God, these were yeah. before any of the like mm -hmm. the reprints or anything uh so they're like really expensive really expensive but like force of wills people are throwing around someone threw around an actual time twister because they weren't allowing proxies like like i'm gonna cast this spell this spell gets force of will pact negation all this stuff and i'm like over here like yeah i'm gonna play my land and cast my mass hysteria i'm gonna play my other tap land and then play a soul ring and cast my signet and then, like, just the game goes on, and, like, all these players mm -hmm. are doing their thing, and it's like, mm -hmm. cast a Basalt Monolith, okay, next turn, cast our set, give her haste, attack, and spin and win the game, right? It's just, like, one of those things where budgets can work, because people just ignore you if you're not playing optimal cards, but they don't tend to if people respect the fact that any deck at that table has the potential to win, at least. That said, I've definitely been bod bodied by, like, mono red decks like soul fim or like literal pre-cons before in in our local companies so oh, yeah it, like sometimes the cdh decks we, we we joke about it but sometimes the cdh decks get stuck fighting cdh decks doing cdh things and the casual players is over there paying six mana for a five five at like an extremely fair rate and then they do that three more times and go to combat and suddenly someone has died yeah <laughs> like I, I have been bodied several we have a I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, he plays like white black drain stacks. He has walked me out of casting any single spell because I was too busy doing other things. And I look over, I'm like, oh, you have two four fours, and every single time I take any sort of game action, I lose three life. I am at six life. Hmm. Yeah. Right. You're like, you're like, man, I was ignoring you. I was so focused on winning the game that I forgot yeah. that like you were playing the game too. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real thing. It's, it's, it's yeah, totally a real yeah. thing. CDH players get full of themselves, so like, yeah. don't think that you can't compete just because you're on a budget, yeah. and um, you just have to be a little bit more creative, like we were saying. Definitely. Like, Adnaz, I think even Adnaz is probably still playable. Is it going to be the efficient turbo Adnazium strategy that everyone no. like thinks about in CDH? No. 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 You're no. not playing Rogsai without without like having at least some variety of budget. It's all right. But, if, you're, if you're hanging with us, we're teaching you not to play Rogsai anyway, but that's a, that's a different discussion. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah. play Rogsai, you're a monster. Yeah. Um, also, we joke, you we have joke. to go first to win. But yeah. aside from that, um, aside from that, it's like, in seriousness, it's, it's Adnos is probably still, you just have to play it differently and construct your deck differently, right? Mm -hmm. I think, that said, I do think there are certain strategies, or at least cards, that have no viable, like, substitutes in the format either and i think i think that that number is pretty small but it's, it's like things cards like, probably it's like gaius cradle doesn't have a viable substitute like there are things that can do the same effect as gaius cradle but you have to jump through it's so many hoops gaius on your cradle. way to get there it's not gaius cradle yeah like uh what's the what's the the flip the enchantment thing uh um, in no it's not invasion um no it's, it's older than that it's older yeah, than invasions. uh I know the ex uh, it's an Ixalan, three CMC enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, look at the top, like, four or six. Put a creature. If you have four more, it flips. Um. Oh, God. Well, we're not going to get that without Yeah, it, I, I literally it up, just read the but, card off in my head. But yeah, uh, uh, basically it flips into a Gaius Cradle. Like, mm -hmm. yes, that card does flip into Gaius Cradle. But you have to pay three mana. It has to resolve. And you have to keep four creatures on the board until the end of your turn. Mm -hmm. um, at which point you then still need to get back to your turn in order to make 
make maximum use of the cradle, right? Yep. You can't tutor it with lands tutors, which is like one of the big things. Um, it's it's not it's just not as good. It's not um, like the next closest thing is Circle of Dreams Druid. That's triple green for a, a one two. Uh, a one, one one that can't even yeah. tap until the next turn, right? Yeah. Um, or there's like Nykthos, but then yep. that still requires you to build up a board so that you can make a devotion um, and sink extra mana into it. Like these cards are just not Gaia's Cradle. There's just nope. not a suitable replacement for they that are effect. A, a decent adjacent replacements. They yeah, like if if your deck doesn't rely on Cradle as a combo piece, you can play them and they might be fine if you're on a budget. Yeah. Um, but it's not the same. The other one that jumps immediately to my mind is Lion's Eye Diamond. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can do the, li the Lion's Eye Diamond combo with Brain Freeze um, using Lotus Petal as a substitute. Does that mean that you should ever even consider playing the Brain Freeze combo without Lion's Eye Diamond in CEDH? Absolutely not. Like, will you sometimes, if you're on a budget and your shop doesn't allow proxies or whatever, and you just really want to play the combo? Sure, you can. But it should never be one of those things where it's like, I don't own an LED. Oh, this is the Jeskai combo. If that's the case, then unfortunately, it's like maybe we should look at a different way to win the deck, win the game with this deck, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. even if it is in Jeskai. So even if that means you go to like a little more suboptimal combo. But so like LED, if I have to pick one more off intuition. the top of my head, mm, yeah, I guess there's intuition. Gilded Drake, kind of, but Gilded Drake's just a good removal spell. I feel like Gilded Drake, like, most of the time, you, like, you can achieve a similar effect with a good removal spell or, like, a clone mm -hmm. or something like that. It's just the fact that it does both for one card is just super, super optimal, especially since it's so hard to interact with. Um, I was actually going to jump to, like, I think probably my third pick, if I'm only picking three. Cause I, I, okay, I can think of four. I can think of four. We'll do four. Um... Nether Void, uh, which is a four mana enchantment, uh, says yeah. anytime mm -hmm. any player casts a spell, counter it unless they pay three additional mana. Um, it's triggered ability. Uh, there's just there is no other effect in the game that does that that does that as well. And they're never they're gonna just... make another effect like that either. At that, especially no. at that CMC. No, they're not. Never. It's for four mana, and it's super easy to cast at black three. So um, yeah, it's just not gonna happen. There's just no suitable substitute you're better off finding a different species. um and then of course the other one is chains uh this was the one that jumped to my head first, yeah but chains of yeah. mephistopheles there just isn't another card that functions like chains that has a similar rate to chains that is played in the same decks chains is played in which these days is close to zero but like it, it's such a unique card and that is realistically what uh what differentiates all of these cards is it's such a unique effect that for like such an efficient rate it's like it's very unique and or it's very just so incredibly efficient that they don't have really budget substitutes mm -hmm. yeah i I'd, I'd still throw intuition into them x personally that no no other card in magic entombs two perfect cards and gives you the exact answer for three mana at instant speed yeah. I, I think that falls into like it's that's just, not true. It, There's gifts and given. It's just not legal and commanded. <sighs> I think that's a card that would actually pull me into blue really hard. I love gifts and given so that much. card. I don't think that card as a blue player who would love that card to play never gifts come and, back. as as someone who would personally love to play gifts and given. I'm telling you right now that card can never be. No, blue. no, I'm totally. If totally you thought intuition was strong, I promise no, you, gifts God, is no. so much. God better. no. One more mana. Easy in a format where black black three is like considered Easy. the floor of turbo wins, like blue three instant speed, get two cards, bin two cards of your choosing is just ridiculous. Oh, yeah. No, I'm I'm very fully aware that gifts can never see the light of day, but like I, I do love gifts, I do, I do like intuition, it is, is one of the few blue cards I do like. It's so um, good, I love yeah. intuition. Yeah, but I love even, skill intuition. Uh, True intuition piles are boring. boring. Storm. storm, 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 storm. Yeah, I, 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 I also uh, going back to uh, you. You triggered this thought. Uh, kind of going back to the analogy of like the MMO player and like ten million gold. Like I think if you will, you will also just like if you're a good player, you will find a way to like figure out how to navigate your situation. And I, I think that's an interesting part of card games is like 
sometimes you're just not going to have the cards that you need uh, for your deck available. So you got to get creative. You got to start thinking outside the box. You got to start changing your strategy just a little bit to like adapt to what you have going on. I, I think that's a really fun part of card games. I, I love like, uh, like, Oh, I need this one card, but I don't have it. Okay. What can I do? What do I have available readily that can work in this situation? Do I need a change to something entirely? Cause sometimes like, like that, that's just brewing, baby. That's just a part of brewing. Absolutely, yeah, and that's and that's one of the most fun aspects of the game. It's a huge part of the card game experience. All right, well, I think that basically wraps us up for tonight. Um, I will give a quick plug um, on September 9th, which is next weekend. Uh, myself um, and a couple of other members of our local like local little CDH group are going to be traveling down to the Portland area to play in a tournament they have down there um, at Guardian Games. Uh, so, and that event, drumroll, is full proxy, as most events are. So, it should be accessible to anyone who's interested in going. Hopefully, we'll see some of you sweet, awesome, beautiful listeners down there. You won't see me, unfortunately. No, no, unfortunately, Joe will not be able to make it this time. But, another event coming up soon, I'm sure. Yeah, I think that's mostly it. Um, Looking forward to playing down in the Portland area. All right. Well, Atlas, fantastic conversation, as always. As always. And uh, to our listeners, thanks for listening. Stay wonderful. We'll catch you next time.